Welcome, Wildcats. For the listeners downloading from Arizona Desert Swarm and expecting our Wildcat Radio introduction, I have some news. The podcast will no longer be a part of Wildcat Radio. We will be continuing as the Arizona Podcast, so please add our feed to your favorite podcatcher and tell your friends. All social media retweets, likes, and shares are appreciated. Visit us on Facebook at Arizona Podcast and on Twitter at PodcastZona. Please tackle 14 for Arizona. That's the difference in the football game. He was amazing. Tate is doing things that I see Reggie Bush didn't do, Matt Leinart didn't do, Marcus Mariota didn't do, Marcus Allen didn't do. He's won four straight Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week awards. an absolute strike. A pass that couldn't have been thrown any more accurately from Tate. Extra you guys kind of have to do this week uh, to make sure you can contain him on Saturday. Great. As always, it's a pleasure to welcome Gabe Encinas and Brandon Combs to the podcast. How's it going? Yeah, how's it going? All right, gentlemen, let's get to the big news. Uh, Adam Plant did not academically qualify at the University of Arizona. For those of you that don't recall, Adam was the third highest ranked commit in the class. He was ranked right behind quarterbacks uh, Jamari Joyner and Kevin Doyle. He originally committed to the university in April of 2017 and subsequently decommitted two months later before eventually recommitting in November, all while Coach Rodrigo was still in charge. Um, he had offers from Oregon, Penn State, and USC. At six foot five and 245 pounds, he was ranked as a number six player in Nevada and the number 41 weak side defensive end in the country per 24-7. He's going to be attending Arizona Western. His father sent out social media uh, noting that they are planning on transferring to the SEC after his time at JC. I don't think it's an understatement to say that this is a disappointment. Gabe, I know you felt like his film really popped. What are we losing with this recruit? Yeah, this is kind of the defensive line prospect that you always wanted under Rich Rudd. Um, That 6'5", 250-ish pound guy. Really the complete package with just everything that he brings. He's got the size, the speed, the power, hands, really everything. And one of the most complete defensive end prospects. And I'm surprised that he was outside the top 700 in the recruiting rankings. I feel like he's a top 400 player, kind of a borderline four-star guy. But it's just really interesting, his recruitment uh, and, I guess, when you look at the facts of him not academically qualifying, you kind of maybe see it in, in his recruitment. His first offer came from USC as a sophomore. Uh, 
or yeah, then Penn State came March of his junior year, then Arizona, then Oregon came in the summer, and he had no offers between the summer and his senior season and National Signing Day. Um, so it kind of makes you think what was going on, and and kind of nobody really wanted to touch this guy. It seems, and Rich Rod kind of took a chance on him and. You know, why not try to land that high caliber of talent if you think that he can get past this academic hurdle? At the same time, you don't want to bring in a head case where you're always worrying about, you know, his responsibilities and, and where his head is at. So, you know, it's it's a tough situation, and it just kind of sucks because you would have liked to have had that guy as your focal point on the defensive line going forward. Uh, and then also having that guy at a Bishop Gorman, that would have been your second win out of that school. Last year, you got Malik Hausman, then, I mean, Adam kind of falls into your lap. But it seems like Arizona was his only option, the only school really giving him a chance this whole time. But you're building that pipeline with that school. And really one of the top five, potentially top three programs in the country when it comes to just the program, the program prestige and all the recruits that come with it so uh really really disappointing but at the same time you know it it was a flyer that you took that you hoped that he could get his uh his scores settled but uh yeah i mean just kind of a loss and brandon will probably talk more on that but you have a young defensive line where you can afford to kind of be without him for the season but going forward, it would have been nice, but Brandon can probably talk more on just his role as a whole. Yeah, so with Adam, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, from all indications I was receiving, it was everything was turning in the positive direction that he would be coming to Arizona, get all his academic issues uh, sorted out, but then, you know, bomb drop, turns out he's not coming. Um Gabe and I kind of talked about this after it happened. Uh, at least uh, Arizona was able to bring in Nahe Salunga, um, so he'll he'll be he's still a really good football player. Another, you know, good piece of the defensive end. Uh, it does suck, um, like Gabe mentioned. I mean, Bishop Gorman's a powerhouse program nationally, uh, not just on the West Coast. So uh, you kind of lose out on uh, another player from that from that school. But um, Adam, I, I, I believed that when he came into Tucson he was no kidding at least gonna take you know at least do the four games and then redshirt um uh if not I can actually see him um he you know playing multiple multiple games uh, throughout the season uh so it, it is a huge loss but the good news is is that it happened you know summer time frame so it was enough time for Arizona to actually uh, recover this cycle so um, they know now that they'll need to get at least another defensive end uh, this class uh, even with the limited number so um, and, you know I mean Gabe pretty much touched on everything like it's 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 a tough loss um, but I, it, this is one I think that Arizona can and will recover from so Brandon given that his dad's been posting on social media about heading to the SEC <laughs> Uh, how do you see that impacting the odds of us getting him to recommit after his uh, time at JC with a, hopefully him academically qualifying at that time? Uh, I, I Just based on his dad's comments, um, not just about, you know, hoping that at, or, or specific, specifically calling out uh, 
wanting Adam to go to an SEC school, but him also stating that uh, Arizona wasn't like hit their first choice. I, I don't see Adam recommitting, even if he gets um, academically qualified. And because of that, I also don't think that the staff will try to re-pursue him. Kind of, um, it, you know, I've seen it referenced on Twitter. It's kind of like a Noah Jefferson 2.0. Um, you know, he he was you know transferring to Arizona after dropping out from USC. Um, had some academic issues, went to Arizona Western, and then even though the staff still offered him, he ended up going to the SEC and to Ole Miss. So I just kind of see it playing out similarly, similarly to that. Yeah, kind of the same old story for the U. We uh, we take these flyers on these guys that have talent, but but maybe aren't as hot on the offer market, and and we really haven't hit a lot of home runs in in that regard, unfortunately. Uh, Gabe, um, I know you think there are opportunities in this recycle to make up for this loss. Uh, would you mind running down some of our prime candidates? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a small class to begin with, so you really have to be picky, and I think. Even with that, defensive end specifically isn't so much a position of need where you absolutely need to get somebody and land him. And no matter what, even if it's a project, I think you still, I think you can still wait on a defensive end. You still have JB Brown, who's probably going to be behind Justin Belknap, played quite a bit last year. Mike King Johnson, that 6'4", 220 mold, redshirted last year and. He's someone with a lot of upside, and I think going forward, he'll kind of be the next guy to kind of show the most promise, kind of like Jalen Harris at stud. Uh, and then you have Nahi Salonga bringing uh, him in as big now, uh, really more of a power guy. I think Mike King is more of that, that speed, finesse guy. So I think those two work out pretty nicely together. But in terms of prospects, I think right now Arizona is really only targeting those high-end DN prospects, and that's right where I would expect them to be just because of that need. There's not a huge uh, fill uh, that needs – or a huge void that needs to be filled. So, I mean, there's a couple guys here. Um, Drake Jack- Jackson out of Corona, California. Uh, Centennial, which is one of the biggest powerhouses. Uh, eight crystal ball picks to USC, so that's kind of hard to argue against. Jermaine Johnson, he's a Juco guy out of Independence, uh, home of uh, Last Chance U Season 3. Heavy Georgia crystal ball presence there. But there is one guy, Stephon Wright, uh, kind of the last hope, I would think, if you want to land a high-end D-end. 6'3", 260-pounder, top 250 uh, in 247 sports. I know he's really into Colorado. He took a visit there maybe last month. And Colorado being in like his top five when he's got USC and Oklahoma and Alabama offers, that kind of bodes well for Arizona because it shows he's not really chasing those big schools. He doesn't need to go uh, to one of those powerhouse programs. He's just kind of going to go where he feels he's the best fit and which place he wants to play for and who he wants to play under. So I think Colorado being in there is a good sign with Arizona, uh, but still you're going to have to be competing with Oklahoma, Alabama, USC. I don't know how well Arizona is sitting with him at the moment, but I think right now you got to feel 
pretty decent about where everything is in his recruitment. Awesome. Yeah, well, a uh, nice teaser for Colorado and commits uh, competing with the University of Arizona. So we'll get to that uh, a bit later in the podcast. Um, let's move on. Uh, Brandon recently um, posted his interview with three-star athlete Chris Rowland. Uh, he plays uh, both wide receiver and defensive back at William Knight High School in, in Palmdale, California. He measures six foot at 180 pounds. He's got offers from Nevada, New Mexico, Oregon State, San Jose State. Uh, his uh, videos posted along with the interview on uh, Arizona Desert Swarm. Uh, he has a really extensive highlight tape. I like that. There was a lot to digest there. Uh, I was really impressed with his film. I thought he had excellent ball skills. Um, I liked both his wide receiver and defensive back film. Uh, he definitely isn't afraid of contact. He was willing to go over the middle, catch the ball, and make contact. And on defense, he was more than willing to stick his face in the fan. I'm a little concerned about his speed translating to the Power 5 level. What did you think, Brandon? Yeah, so I agree. Uh, he's, you know, he could still add a little weight so that, and, and, you know, he's still got a lot of work to do. So he's a little raw. Uh, so I, I'll agree with you on the speed. Um, one thing, um, when I first saw his film, I liked him better as a wide receiver. I saw he's, you know, more polished, more comfortable. Um, but if you, you know, if, you know, rewatching it a few times, you can see that he's actually, um, as this as this tape progresses, he's more comfortable, or he's getting more comfortable as as a defensive back. And talking to him, uh, he actually stated that like one thing that he was working on was his technique as a as a cornerback, not not necessarily anything as a wide receiver. So it looks like that he's expecting to come in as a defensive back uh, once he gets to college, no matter where that where that is. Um, you know, he he does have great hands, and he has really quick. T- a uh, quick twitch reaction to passes in the air, which actually allow him to uh, use, uh, you know, a quick first step and at least a quick first burst of speed to close in on the uh, on the receiver, uh, in either to make the tackle or, or make a play on the ball. But like I said, he's he's a little little raw still has has a lot of work to do. Um, you know, he went to the USC Rising Stars camp. Uh, in early June and walked away with an offer from Wyoming, which uh, honestly, even though it is a Mountain West school, it's actually one of the better Mountain West schools in the conference. So uh, that's saying something, uh, at least to his, his athletic ability. Um, he has a really good relationship with Demetrius Martin, not necessarily Arizona's uh, biggest priority or, or not even like their main priority at defensive back, but he is a priority still, if that makes sense. So, um, I can go into a little bit later, but uh, of what those priorities are, but like he, he's definitely someone uh, to keep an eye on as the 2019 cycle closes out. Uh, he's not really sure, or I didn't really get to ask him when he's going to be making his decision, but he's planning on, you know, he's kind of taking his time through the recruiting process. So I would expect him to make a decision probably sometime around November or December timeframe. Awesome. We'll get to the, pri- the the priority list when we get to your sit rep uh, later on in the podcast. I think I, I agree with you. I liked him when he was uh, coming out of the slot and going across the middle. I really liked his toughness and his ability to grab the ball quick and, and tuck it away before he took contact. I felt like he was kind of stiff, and so that's why I thought he was better at the receiver because he could dictate. He didn't have to be able to flip his hips and turn in reaction to someone else. So I, I thought that's why he looked stronger at wide receiver. What do you think, Gabe? Yeah, I, I agree with the whole wide receiver assessment kind of odd and I mean he had well like 13 minutes of film and uh, most of it was wide receiver and I think he did have 
uh, some really good hands, some good balance, uh, really physical. Maybe needs to work on some breaks and some route running, but I do think that uh, overall he's a better wide receiver. Uh, in terms of safety, it's kind of like the defensive line for me. I don't know if you need to land a safety. If you do, it's going to be a high-end safety, which we'll get into later. For me, if this were a bigger class, a class of like 23, 24, 25 maybe, he would be, I think, a great filler uh, just to get the bodies in. Or if this were a very senior-heavy class where you're rotating uh, or you're going to have a whole bunch of turnover, I think that's kind of where you would want him. But right now, I think there are a lot better safeties on the board where you kind of want those guys. And there's just too many young safeties right now. You have uh, David Coleman and Christian Young coming in. Xavier Bell, Scotty Young, Isaiah Hayes, Reddy Short. The list goes on for all these freshman sophomore safeties where it would be it would be really crowded in the safety group to, to have him and you only have one senior with Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. So uh, wide receiver, I don't know how focused he is on wide receiver or where his other offers are uh, looking at. Um, but overall he's He's kind of a wait and see, I think, for me in terms of this class. So uh, he's an interesting prospect for sure, but uh, definitely someone that you would wait on. So, Gabe, uh, you recently posted uh, the five Wildcats with the most approved in 2018 on Arizona Desert Swarm. Uh, we have spent quite a bit of time talking about the defensive backfield and Demetrius Flanagan fouls uh, did make your uh, five Wildcats. As you previously posted, the juniors ranked number one, the number one safety in the Pac-12 in Pro Football Focus's Playmaker Index. Uh, for the listeners who are not familiar with the Playmaker Index, it is calculated by adding the number of passes defended and interceptions divided by the total number of targets. DFF graded out at a 25%. Tell us why he made your list of five Wildcats, Gabe. Yeah, this was mostly based off of his projection and where I felt he was going to go after his first two seasons originally he didn't even sign a letter of intent uh i guess he was going to possibly gray shirt they were still sorting out his academics and all of that after he transferred from tucson to i think mountain view high school so he wasn't really supposed to be on campus from my thought or from my understanding and suddenly he makes it on the campus and he starts contributing as a freshman. I think he played in every game. Sophomore year takes over the starting role. And it, he just had a stellar sophomore year, uh, close to 100 tackles, a couple picks. And uh, he was really on a high trajectory to, to be one of the best safeties in the Pac-12. Uh, around this time last year even, I felt like he was, I mean, this was before, uh, we had a lot of these younger freshmen and Khalil Tate come up and, and all of that. But at this time last year, I felt like he was probably uh, one of the better, if not the best, NFL prospect. Um, although we had a lot of guys come up this year on defense with Whitaker, Schooler, Fields, Wilborn, all those guys. But DFF was up there for me. And he had a good first two games he had three picks with nau and utep uh, statistically he improved in almost every category but just towards the end of the season everything 
Uh, it, it just it just didn't look right for him. It's he, he made a lot of mistakes that he wasn't even making as a sophomore. Uh, his big issue for me, at least, was open field tackling. Uh, you know, in a one-on-one situation, and sometimes he's just grabbing air. Uh, and in coverage, playing the ball, it just looked really bad. He just wasn't even in position to make a play, and so. I think a lot of those mistakes were just, you know, mistakes that you wouldn't expect him to, to make, especially coming into his third year and, and you know, really being one of the more experienced guys back there. You had Scotty Young and Jarius Wallace. Um, you did have Dane Krugshank, but that was still kind of his first year in that safety role. So uh, really interesting. Just he kind of took a step back, not – not a huge step back, but definitely you expected him to be uh, in a better position last year. And so uh, now being the only senior of that group with a bunch of young guys there, uh, I, you know, you just need him to be the leader back there and protect the middle of the field and still come down, make a play in the box. So uh, I think uh, after coming off that sophomore year, just disappointing in the junior year, just a lot of plays that he left on the field there to be made and, uh, you know, now coming out of the senior, leading the group, I think being from Tucson certainly means a lot more to him as well. Uh, he just needs to be the guy back there. And so I'm hoping he bounces back there and, uh, you know, leads that young group. And I think Christian Young, uh, he's probably my favorite incoming freshman. Uh, I think he's got a chance to, to steal some reps from Demetrius. And I think that's going to be a nice little combo for, for the backfield, but or I guess the, the secondary. Um, but I think that Christian Young does have a lot of potential, and he could eventually creep in there uh, on Demetrius as well. But I'm really hoping for big things this year from Flanagan Fowles. So, Brandon, uh, Gabe included Sean Poindexter as one of his five Wildcats. I think we all agree that uh, Sean Brown is a clear number one option. There's been a lot of off-season hope placed on Sean Poindexter being a significant outside asset for the Wildcat passing game. However, as Gabe points out in this article, in two seasons he only has 25 catches for 376 yards and one touchdown. Do you see Sean Poindexter as one of the five Wildcats that have something to prove next season? I do, actually. Um, and, I, and I agree with Gabe. I think that Poindexter... Uh, let me just say that every time I see Poindexter play, he gets better and better and better, and he looks better and better and better and looks more comfortable. Um, his his showing during the spring game, if that's any any indication of how he's going to be playing this year and utilized this year, he's probably going to be one of the biggest deep threats in the Pac-12 this year. Um, but I do think he has a lot to prove. I think he knows that too. I mean, he was he managed to get you know an extra year of eligibility. He, so this will be like his no kidding like last shot uh, to make his impact. And I th- he you know he knows that. So that'll that'll just drive him and motivate him to be um, you know more of a deep threat and, and, and just a complete receiver that Arizona needs. Honestly, especially in the red zone. Gabe, uh, you listed Michael Elatise as one of your five Wildcats. Arizona fans will recall he was one of the more heralded recruits at Arizona with over 30 Power 5 offers and invitations to the opening and the Under Armour All-American game. The offensive line has a significant uncertainty with all the turnover this season. This is my most significant concern for the continued progression of Khalil Tate in the offense. We anticipate the redshirt sophomore will start at left guard between Nathan Eldridge and Lath Frake. Please tell us why you listed him on your five Wildcats. 
Yeah, so this is a guy where he's probably maybe not the most uh, prominent recruit or most exciting recruit that Rich Rodriguez had landed, but when it comes to offer list, he has the most extensive um, and he had all the picks from USC, Oklahoma, Michigan, Alabama, Florida, any school he wanted to. And Arizona had a couple guys, and I think the reason why I have him so high as just so much hope placed into him is just because Rich Rodriguez did land a good amount of those high-end three-star, four-star guys with a bunch of offers, and really none of them – made an impact or lived up quite to the expectations. Cam Denson, Devontae Neal, Jamadre Cobb, Marquise Ware, Keenan Walker, Marcus Griffin, really none of them contributed a whole lot during their time. And those are kind of your big names that, you know, Rodriguez had landed and they had some pretty good offer lists. They were all top three, 400 guys. Michael L. Tisse comes in. Uh, top 150, 60 recruit. And I think now everyone's kind of just looking at him as whether or not he plays poor or whether he plays well or not, I think he's still stuck at left guard just because of the depth. It's not really there, so he's just going to get thrown in there. And this is really his time to just kind of cement his, his legacy here. And he's got three years to potentially start at left guard and he's in a good spot between Lath and Nathan two of your most veteran guys Lath's entering his fourth year starting Nathan his third and I think Nathan is the most underrated player on the roster just in terms of what he's done especially on the offensive line there's just been a lot of turnover on the offensive line you're replacing a lot of guys granted you've had some run first quarterbacks and some run first plays but it's a line that's helped lead Arizona to two Pac-12 rushing titles so whether or not they get the third this year that's kind of the big question uh can they keep Khalil safe you need him to to stay healthy all year really the success lies on him so left guard's an interesting spot uh right guard's also very interesting just because Jacob Alsadek was there for four years and then you bring in Bryson Kane coming off that ankle injury. That's kind of the, the probably the most worrisome spot. Uh, but right now, Michael Altice is in a very good spot to, to shine between those two guys. And I think if he can come up and, and you know keep everything clean on the left side, that's a pretty good left side of the line that I like. Um, but right now he hasn't really had a whole lot of game experience. So you need him to step up and, and help lead the offense. Yeah. It's going to add to the difficulty of that transition, not having Lath for the first two games. So he's really going to be in a tough spot with uh, pretty much Nathan leading the guard there. That's a lot of pressure on Eldridge to not only call out the protections and be the quarterback of the offensive line, but, but really be the, the lone standing man there. Um, you put a lot of salt on that wound when you go through that list of uh, recruits that never panned out. That's a, that's a pretty uh, pretty impressive uh, rattling off of names that we all thought were going to be uh, big-time impact players for the program and didn't come through. We, we kind of feel snake bit in that area specifically, so I thought that was an excellent run uh, rundown. 
Uh, we will be progressing through the position groups as we continue through the offseason, looking at both the depth charts and potential 2019 recruiting candidates. Offensive line and wide receiver will be areas we'll be covering in future podcasts in depth because I think these are the more interesting areas, but a little tease in this podcast, and we'll definitely move uh, into those areas in more depth as we cover them specifically. Let's move on to Brandon Siprep for the week. Um, he covered the safeties. Uh, Brandon, as you wrote, uh, this may be Arizona's deepest position group. Tell us about the depth chart. So Arizona's sitting pretty well with safeties. They have a few returning starters that have a lot of Pac-12 game experience. Um, so we'll start with like the spur position, and uh, we find Tristan Cooper, who I think, uh, actually both Gabe and I think that he's going to be getting the starting nod there. Uh, he started his true freshman season. Um, kind of made a name for himself and just never looked back. Uh, he took a backseat last year to Dane Crookshank, but um, he's, I expect him uh, to continue the production he had his freshman year um, for his junior year this cup coming. Behind him, you have uh, Xavier Bell from uh, Powerhouse Matter Day down in Santa Ana, California. He made He's made a lot of noise ever since he's been on campus, and if you look at him, he just looks like a college-ready ready safety. And then behind him, you have Davon Coleman, and uh, Day Day, he looks just—he's a—he's another big dude. I mean, he's another college-ready uh, physically. He's, um, uh, you know, really good. He's a solid safety. But if they need to, uh, Arizona can move him over to a linebacker just because of his size and his skill set. And then moving over to free safety, um, again, Gabe and I agree. Jarius Wallace will most likely get the starting nod there. Uh, and he burst onto the scene about midseason last year after uh, Scotty Young got injured and then, um, you know, had his off-field issues. Um, and he he played incredibly aggressive for some in his size, but he also played really smart. And um, and you can see that, too, if you, if you watch, like, the Cal game and the Washington State game, uh, you know, he made – if I remember correctly, in both games, he had both his interceptions came in the end zone um, that he had, and then um, just the the game he had during uh, during the spring game was just impressive. I think he had like what two, three interceptions. Um, so he's just going to be another really he's going to boost that free safety spot. I think um, behind him you have Isaiah Hayes and Scotty Young. Um, Scotty Young, it just seems like he's going to be back. I, I know we alluded to this. I think la- uh, last podcast we did, but it looks like Scotty is coming back. Um, but, but because of his off-field issues, um, we feel like he's going to have to climb up the depth chart. Uh, and then with Isaiah Hayes, he was he was another you know starter as a true freshman. Uh, played really well, really aggressive, just reckless abandonment, and not really you know worried about his uh, his physical well-being, and it caused him to miss a few games just because of, like a concussion. Um, but he ended up having a shoulder injury before the 2017 season and had shoulder surgery and sat out. Um, didn't participate really, uh, at least in the open parts of practice um, during spring ball. Uh, but uh, I expect him to be back and be fully healthy and ready for the season. Um, and then moving over to Bandit, you have uh, Demetrius Flanagan fouls, which which Gabe went over. Uh, but behind him, you have uh, Chacho Uyoa, who. He was one of my favorite recruits in the 2016 class when he came in, uh, but he's just never been put into that position to where he can actually succeed and, and do what he does best, which is create turnovers. Um, he is actually a, a, a ball hawk, a uh, little stiff in the hips if you watch him, but um, a really talented safety. I, I 
I'm just wanting and hoping for him to to break out this season. Um, I kind of do expect it. And then uh, Christian Young, which Gabe alluded to, um, another ball hawk from the Houston area. Uh, actually a really solid and, and underrated player, in my opinion, um, and a really good pickup for Richrod uh, when he was still here. And then behind him, um, you have Antonio Parks and Reddy Short. These two players, uh, Gabe and I both agreed, they have the versatility to actually play and even bounce between all three of the safety spots. Antonio actually moved over from uh, cornerback. Uh, he played a few games last year, and he's actually a really aggressive cornerback. So he's he's pretty decent in zone coverage. Uh, not sure how his man coverage is, but I think he'll safety is a better better fit for him. And then Reddy Short has uh, started uh, to create some noise and buzz, um, especially in this spring. So um, I somehow <laughs> with the immense amount of people and players that we have in the safety position. I, I do expect to see ready make his way onto the field at some point this season. Yeah. It sounds like we should go with like the three. If we didn't have such a good linebacking core, we could go with like the one, one, uh, nine configuration, right? <laughs> yeah. We'd be a little weak against the run though. Um, Gabe, um, we've we've kind of uh beat the drum on well we don't really need to bring in a lot of safeties but there certainly are some good targets out there why don't you break them down for us yeah so i think arizona is in a good position to like i said it's a small class you don't need one but if you're gonna get after one get a high-end guy and i think that they're in position for a couple of guys so i and there are a few that i like i think i'll start with william nemo at a matter day um same high school as Xavier Bell. Uh, really nice prospect. He's maybe not my favorite of this group. Um, I think the rank, his ranking and offer list might be a little bit biased towards his school. Uh, but I think he's, he's a pretty nice package. Maybe not my favorite, but Arizona's in a good spot for him. And I'm not upset if you land him. I'll take any Matter Day guy. Uh, just because of that power high school program, they're going up against some of the top guys in California uh, every day in practice and then every game. So uh, someone to keep your eye on there, but I'm not, uh, I'm not as high on him as I am some other guys. Uh, Noah Pola, Pol, Pola Gates, uh, a local kid out of Williamsfield and Gilbert, uh, kind of secretly turning into a – uh, high school powerhouse here in the state and a really nice prospect. I really like him. He's got uh, four-end status and pretty much any offer he wants. Big physical hitter, can play safety, but looks like he's going to Alabama. Uh, and, man, he's probably going to be a starter there one day. And, and that's one that you'll kind of wish that Arizona – had a better shot at especially when they're so close to to the program and just down the road so that one's gonna sting a little bit but just goes to show you the level of talent that is in arizona and, and what you can get out of the state uh the last guy who is my favorite and even off the ones that have already come off the board uh this guy's always been my favorite jackson turner uh, at a rancho mm-hmm. verde high school yeah, really nice. I think he's the most complete prospect of the safeties on Arizona's board. Uh, he just makes everything look so effortless. He has the speed, a uh, 6'2 frame. That's just, man, it's just a solid frame. Uh, 
instinctiveness. He's really the complete package. And Arizona is a really good spot. At, at first, when all these safeties were coming off the board, I was a little worried uh, just because I don't – I, I don't think you need the safety, but when you're in contention for some of these guys, I, I do think that it's just good to land one of them. And so Jackson has a top five of Arizona, ASU, Cal, Oregon State, and Utah. Very winnable group there. Uh, and, you know, it's someone that, I, for me, I don't know too much about where his head is at and, and who is recruiting him the hardest. But for me, it's always going to make me nervous when Utah is in play for a DB. I think they've done a really good job with a lot of the DBs that they've gotten, and they've been turning out guys to the NFL left and right over there. So um, Cal's probably certainly in the mix as well. Uh, I don't know too much about Arizona State and where they fall, and then Oregon State. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to to think that Oregon State could pull them in, but we'll see about that. So. I think that's kind of my guy to watch. Ah, man, I, I, I would really like him. Uh, he's been my top safety on the board for a while, and I think that that's going to be somebody to watch. Brandon, do you know anything more about Turner's recruitment? Yeah, man. Um, so Cal right now is the biggest competition for the Wildcats. Right now okay. I'd say – yeah, right now I'd say it would be actually between Arizona and Cal. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, Turner – is Arizona's priority at the position right now. And uh and dude, like just like you, he's he is my favorite prospect out of out of the list right now in the available thing. And he is one of the best cover safeties I've seen in maybe in a in a long time at least. I mean he's just a freak at, I like I'm just awed every time I watch this film, he's a freak athlete. He high points the ball better than some of the receivers that he covers. It's ridiculous. Uh, speaking of safety targets, a couple of uh, Arizona safety targets went off the board recently, and the Buffs scored both of them. Uh, Brandis, tell us about the ones that got away. All right, so the first one would be uh, Mark Perry. Um, I actually had uh, – I mean, you can ask Gabe. I was very – I kept going back and forth. I had it was like 51-49 in favor of Arizona, then 51-49 in favor of Colorado, then 50-50. I had no real idea. Um and, and people are like, oh well, you know, he took a he took an individual to Colorado, so that's probably it. But um, just just knowing what I know about that recruitment, he he had a really solid, like really solid relationship with with Coach Mead. So I don't think it was as you know there was as much separation as people think. Um, but yeah, he he ended up going to Colorado um, in the end, and. Um, kind of like gave a little to like when 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 perry didn't commit to arizona i was like huh i wonder but then um you know arizona is still like like you know we're still in the in the running for nemo and and jackson turner so it's not that big a deal um he did have uh, one thing i did like about perry's game was that he had a really good eye discipline and that was probably one of the things that really stood out to me about his game uh and then you had uh the second one that just announced on tuesday was uh don chapman from uh, Lincoln High School in San Diego. It's the uh, same high school as incoming freshman Jalen uh, Jalen Bailey. Uh, but he uh, he had a really good uh, relationship with uh, Demetrius Martin as well. Not one of the major priorities for Arizona at safety, 
But um, and you know he took a, an, an official visit to Colorado before the dead period with Mark Perry, so it just kind of makes sense that he went there. Um, he did end up um, getting a USC offer uh, after his performance at their Rising Stars camp in early June, so that tells you the type of potential that he has. But uh, he's a little bit more raw and a little bit more of a project than than Jackson Turner or or William Nimmo. So um, not not a major loss um, and not one that's totally unexpected. So uh, just commenting on the, the class in Arizona, we've talked a lot about Arizona evolving as a recruiting um, uh, recruiting hotbed, a place that you can really concentrate some of your recruiting. We covered that in depth, how it relates to Texas targeting in California, especially with Kevin, uh, Kevin Sumlin's ties to Texas and his concentration there. But if you look at the guys that are coming out of Arizona in this cycle, for instance, you've got guys like Spencer Rattler and Jake Smith and Lybrock. Um, we talked about Paula Mao. There's a lot of really highly rated recruits in the, in the state. Um, so concentrating on the state of Arizona, I think is an area that it would be nice if we could really make some inroads going forward. Do you guys have uh, any feel for how much concentration uh, the current staff is putting on that and, and where they prioritize the state of Arizona? I can say that uh, the staff actually has been prioritizing the state more than I've seen in the past, uh, especially under the previous staff. Um, if you if you look, there's they a lot of um, visit weekends, whether it be official or unofficial. They bring a lot of prospects and probably more than than Rich Rod staff did, and they bring in uh, prospects that uh, a lot of that a lot of people don't know know about. So like um, like Braden Rom is is one. They brought him in a couple times during the spring, and now he's actually exploding. Uh, he's an offensive lineman. Out of uh, let me pull up his profile here. I forgot where he was from. Oh, uh, Perry High School in Gilbert. Sorry. So uh, he's he's probably one of the best. He's probably the best lineman in the state, and he's he's blowing up. He's getting a lot of Power Five offers. Uh, he's got numerous Pac-12 offers. He's even got Nebraska. So it just kind of shows the uh, the quality that the that is now coming in uh, the state uh, when it comes to. Uh, it's a high school recruits. Uh, and then like Gabe and I, our favorite, favorite recruit, probably this cycle is Kaheem Waleed. Uh, he alone is like, if, if Arizona gets him, I will consider recruitment in the state of Arizona, a success, uh, for the 2019 cycle. He, and he is in my opinion, a must get at wide receiver in six, He's strong. He high points the ball. Well, he has speed runs pretty crisp routes, has really good, strong hands. So uh, that's just the type of caliber of player that, that Arizona needs to get and keep within the state. And then, uh, boy, and then you look at the 2020 class and there's just all kinds of talent from uh, Keely Ringo, B. John Robinson, Lathan Ransom, um, uh, Matt Polk, who uh, also from Saguaro. So uh, Jacob Covington. So just like if you're just going to see the, um, the talent level within the state actually rise and rise every, every year, I think from here on out. And, you know, Kevin Sumlin and his staff realize how important it is to recruit the state. So you're just going to see them focus uh, and, and make Arizona more of a priority than the previous staff. What do you think about that Gabe? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that the state was pretty much 
neglected a non-factor within this last staff. Uh, you really didn't land as many guys. They kind of focused on different areas here and there. They hit up Washington, Louisiana, Florida. Uh, they tried a bunch of different states, and Arizona wasn't really all that consistent uh, in terms of really the hot pursuit. And every year for the past four or five years, they've produced at least 15 to 20 top 1,000 guys in, in the recruiting rankings. And I think that's even, I, we, we've talked about it before, I think that's that could be even higher. I think it's just you're kind of stuck between California and Texas, all the attention's there. But I certainly think that there's a good amount of talent, and you see it kind of in this class alone. Kahim Walid is definitely the guy that you want to land for Arizona. Uh after that, you know, a lot of the top guys are already committed or, you know, Arizona maybe hasn't made the most grounds on them just because of this new staff. They've come in kind of late and these guys have already been recruited for a good amount of time already. But, yeah, it's it's definitely needs to be a improvement in the in-state recruiting. There's just it's just a really easy in that you already have. Granted, Arizona doesn't have a whole lot of prestige and not a lot of kids, unless they're from Tucson, you know, grow up watching Arizona. Um, and a lot of these top-end top guys, the Texas and USC, Oregon, they're still going to come find them in Arizona. So it's hard to kind of keep them in when you have those types of programs knocking on their door. But, um, you know, just give – Kevin Sumlin some time and, and some wins here at Arizona, and I think that can definitely change the perception and make it a much better enticing option for a lot of these guys as well. Speaking of former staffs, uh, there's a former staff member now at Cal, and Cal has gotten five Arizona commits in this uh, 2019 class. Uh, Charlie Ragel's out there. Well, let's talk a little bit about what Charlie's doing, targeting Arizona and getting re recruits to commit to Cal. Why don't you start, Brandon? So, I mean, Charlie Ragel, um, he, he, you know, he wasn't a bad recruiter when he was at Arizona. He was actually somewhat effective, especially um, in the Valley up in uh, Phoenix. Uh, but I think he's, he has more um, free reign, so to speak, in my opinion, when, now that he's at Cal. Um, he, you can see him just aggressively pursuing these kids in, in Arizona. And um, in my opinion, he actually got one of the better steals uh, from the state in uh, Braxton Croteau, who is a defensive end, a big defensive end at that 6'5", 240 from uh, Liberty High School in Peoria. Um, you know, top, you know, 650 guy, you know, ranked 646 in the nation. He's the, you know, 49th best uh, weak side defensive end and and you know that's that's actually pretty impressive that he was actually able to pull him to Cal I don't think a lot of people knew about him um, went until he committed and then you know you go further down the line and they got uh, you know a defensive tackle from Phoenix uh, Desert uh, Desert Vista in Phoenix with Brett Johnson and then actually a, a very impressive dual threat quarterback in my opinion uh, Spencer Brash from Higley and Gilbert um, and then 
you know, Ryan Puskis from Liberty Peoria as well. And then their most recent one was actually DeCarlos Brooks from Chandler. So I think that, um, I think that this type of success is actually going to continue for Charlie Regal. Um, while he's in Berkeley, uh, like I said, it just feels like he has more free reign and, and able to go after the guys that he wants to and just be aggressive like he wants to. Um, I think Justin Wilcox is just given that kind of free reign. So I, I would just expect this type of uh, success to continue for him. Gabe, it's not like Charlie didn't bring in some uh, decent recruits. Uh, in fact, when he was brought on the staff early on, I thought it was a really good sign that Rich was going to prioritize the state. Um, why don't you revisit some of his time in Arizona and the people he was able to bring in and, and, and then expand on that, how Brandon kind of feels it's more flexibility he has going forward as to why you might think the dynamic has shift, shifted for him recruiting Arizona because clearly he has the contacts. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I think his, I mean, his biggest commitment wasn't even uh, from Arizona. It was actually Michael Elatise out of Hawaii, um, that was one where he just kind of took the lead on him. And uh, I was pretty close with Michael Altice at the time of his recruitment. And, uh, you know, he was talking a lot about how Regal was the most inspirational and motivational coach he had ever been around and uh, really someone that he wanted to play uh, or he wanted to have as a coach uh, in the system. And, uh, so, I mean, that was really a combination of Regal and Matt Dudek, who's now in Michigan, uh, doing recruiting administrative work over there. Um, but that's really his big get. And then he got Trevor Wood, who at the time was uh, a really strong prospect and kind of got hindered with injuries here at Arizona, um, but really had a good offer list from Chaparral, which was the highest school that Regal had come from um, and so that was a really good pickup. Special teams uh, I think his biggest contribution there in terms of recruiting was Lucas Havrisic, uh really led him pretty late in the recruitment I think they offered him in January just maybe a month before signing day and we saw what he was able to do last year. You know Regal, his biggest downfall was just his special teams unit um especially on kick return and punt return uh just seemed like there was never a reliable punt returner you had Devonte neal back there for a couple years and that was just terrifying kick return just <laughs> never seemed to have the blocks going for them and uh, you know you had a good run with riggleman and scour in there tight ends never really got implemented and so like Brandon was saying with, you know, it, I don't know how much control Rich Rod really gave him in terms of recruitment. I know Rich Rod was uh, very much involved in, in who Arizona was going after and really kind of had a lot of say on, on who was going uh, where and where the offers were going and which commitments to focus on. And so, uh, you know, but for Ray. So I actually, uh, it was the 2016 season when BYU uh, and Arizona played up in Glendale. I went out to Higley High School. We were, I was going to go check out uh, Bryce Gilbert, who was another Regal commit. He has left the program since, but a really nice tight end uh, that was committed in this 2016 class. Uh, I show up there and Regal's walking on the sidelines and 
uh, we end up just talking pretty much the whole time during the game, watching him. And they were playing St. Mary's, who had Odawa Isabor. I think he's at USC now. Um, UCLA. Was just, UCLA, there we go. Um, Rabel was just talking about really how he like got started in coaching and, and all of his networks. So we were talking, I went to Corona del Sol. I was talking about the coaches over there. He knew all of them. I was talking about a family friend who coached at St. Mary's and he was like, Oh, Chris Rideau and I are great friends. And he's like, man, this is, it, it's just one of us, the smallest coaching communities that everyone just knows each other. And he was just naming off guys over the past few years in recruiting and all these different coaches. He's a very, very well connected coach uh, in the state of Arizona. And now seems like Cal has, has allowed him to, uh, really take the lead on recruiting and he's becoming an ace over there and uh, really happy for him really nice guy and uh, he's landing five top 27 guys in the state I don't think anybody I think ASU's done a pretty good job actually of recruiting uh, in the state right now but Cal is really making a presence I really like Spencer Brash out of Higley Higley's becoming another power up and coming especially out in the East Valley uh, and then I really like their latest one, the Carlos Brooks. I'll, I really like anybody who would come out of Chandler High School, uh, probably top one, maybe two or three programs in the state, just a dominant program. Uh, I think that's an underrated look right there, probably just because of his size, kind of a 5'9", small little guy. So uh, you wonder if, if he's going to be uh, you know, a real big four there i i really like him i'll take him any day if you need a running back and yeah ragel's cleaning up in arizona and um i actually still keep in touch with him and miguel Ravelas and seems like they got one more on the way coming soon that they feel pretty good about so uh pretty interesting to see them kind of dominate arizona right now and there's a lot of good talent ragel's taking advantage of his contact for sure yeah, with six, uh, with five commits and a potential sixth, um, they could certainly have more Arizona kids than the University of Arizona. And even ASU, which I think has done a better job uh, under Todd Graham versus Rich Rod, and, and certainly in this cycle has got more commits. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over time. I, you know, just as a, as a native born Arizona, I'd really like to see the UVA um, put a stronger uh, fence around the state and really try to get, uh, you know, we don't have to get the top guys. I know that's always a big knock on Arizona. Oh, we're not getting the number one, number two, number three guy. You know, I get when those kids go to USC, they go to Alabama, they go to Michigan, they go to Oregon. That that doesn't bother me as much as maybe not getting the number 10, 11, 12, 8, 9 kind of guy. And uh, I, I think those are the kinds of guys that you want to get and get in bulk just to make sure that kids around the state uh, as they come through their high schools are, are seeing their classmates go to, the, go to the University of Arizona and have success and develop and et cetera, et cetera. So to me, I think that's an area that's worth committing some volume to. Um, well, that's an interesting take. We'll definitely have to spend some time um, on a future podcast, maybe talking about the the power programs in the state and uh, some commits to to follow for their senior season, and uh, then we can roll that into future podcasts as we watch their commits coming, so people can kind of parallel the college season with the high school season. Um, well, we're going to wrap up. We're coming up on an hour now. Uh, remember to follow Gabe at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon at 
uh, U of A Bear Down 07. Uh, follow the podcast at Podcast Zona and on Facebook at Arizona Podcast. Also, uh, we really want to make the podcast more interactive, so we would love to have uh, people email us. We set up a Gmail account at Arizona Podcast at gmail.com. That's Arizona Podcast at Gmail. Send us in emails, ask questions of the guys. We'll cover them on the air. As you know, you guys can get in touch with them on Arizona Desert Swarm and post in the comments sections. And Brandon is always taking sit rep questions on Twitter. So make sure you're checking your Twitter feed to get the opportunity to ask him questions about his sit rep. Bear down, gentlemen. Bear down. Hey, bear down, baby. Bear down. <laughs>